0: Sometimes Jake's a jerk. I told you no college basketball. Until Missouri wins a conference game, so.
1: Uh-oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. But if this is what I got to put up with in order to get a Cotton Bowl victory over Ohio State, I'll take it. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Let's say hello to Gabe DeArmond from PowerMazoo.com. Hello, Gabe. What's up, Steven? When do you think they'll win the conference game?
2: Um, I said before the A&M game I'm just going to pick them to mm-hmm. win every game All right. until they do... Because uh, then I'm gonna I'm gonna look really smart if I'm the guy that picked like an zero and ten team to win and they finally like, do. Right. So I think uh, tomorrow at South Carolina they win. Wow. I mean I don't really think they win, but I'm taking them to win.
0: So huh. how huh. How, how, <laughs> how just just be, I know you'll be honest. How, how, how bad is this? Team? Nobody anticipated, though. I think most people, most rational people thought, okay, it's going to be a step back from last year because you're losing Kobe Brown and Des Moines Hodge. Yeah. Uh, but, may, but maybe they'll be good enough to sneak into the tournament or at least have a, you know, a, a good season. I don't think anyone anticipated this much of a step back. So, I mean, what, what, how, how, how bad are they?
2: Well, I picked them to win, I don't know, 21 games, something like that. I thought they'd be on the bubble. Um, And that was based on what people around the program were saying in in the fall, we get a chance to be better than last year. Um, You know, they they believed that. Um, That clearly is misguided. Um, They're not very good. Uh, You know, they're probably going to end up in the the range of, like, 11, 12 wins, somewhere in there, I think. And and that's not good. Um, My... My issue, what has aggravated me the last few days, is the, well, this is Kim Anderson back. It just isn't. I, I mean, I, I watched every game of that, uh, that stretch, and it was frequently like 17-4, to 4, six minutes into the game. Those games were over. Those teams had no chance to win. The frustrating part about this team is, for the most part, I mean, Florida, they, they, they mailed it in a little bit. Um, Illinois, obviously, they got blown out. But almost every other game, with six minutes to go, they've got a shot. They're right there. I mean, Missouri had a, a three-pointer to tie at Texas A&M with two and a half minutes left. Um, you know, they they had open layups to, to take the lead in the second half and didn't do it. So, they I mean, they're not good. They, they don't know how to win, and that's a problem. Um, but it's not like they are – they are out there just not competitive in these games. I think the more frustrating part in some ways is that they are competitive in most of these games. And you would think by simple law of averages and getting a couple lucky bounces that a couple would go their way. I mean, you know, I said earlier this week, like, hey, maybe one night they'll just run into a team that shoots 28% from the floor. And, wait, oh, wait, they ran into that. and They still got beat. All
0: right, then. Uh, Caleb Grill coming back uh, soon?
2: Yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, Gates said yesterday, you know, looks like in the next couple weeks, um, he. it's a little bit interesting because, well, first of all, he was actually starting to play well, um, you know, when he got hurt. And does Caleb Grill and John Tanjay being healthy make this a tournament team? No, not in any way, I don't think. But it makes them better. You know, um, I mean, we're not talking about, you know, could they go 0-18 in the SEC if those guys are healthy? I don't think – Tonja, they announced a week or so ago they're shutting him down for the season, which preserves the ability for him to get a medical redshirt and come back next year if he wants to. Uh, Grill could do the same, but it sounds like he wants to. they want to get him on the court and he wants to play and just play as much as he can this year, and, and this will be it.
0: What happens first? Uh, Mizzou wins a conference basketball game, or uh, Eli Drinkwitz hires a defensive coordinator?
2: Yeah, it's close, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's a good question. I think I'm going to go with Missouri's first conference win, even though I take oh. them tomorrow and I want to stand by that just in case that happens. Um, I don't really think that's going to happen. So I'm going to say they win Wednesday night against Arkansas at home. So I think Drinkwitz has a hire before Wednesday.
0: Any, uh,
2: any no, Are you leaning I
0: anywhere? No, nothing? I'm not.
2: No. I, I mean, there was a time where I thought we had a, a – Clear cut number one guy and that hasn't happened and doesn't appear it's going to happen in DJ Durkin. Um, so at this point I, I don't know. There's some names, you know, we've put out there. I, I don't know where they stand to be quite honest. I would I'm expecting at this point it to be a hire of a guy that like we just haven't really brought up.
0: Can I throw a name out there? Sure. Bill Belichick.
2: Yeah, he's available on the market. <laughs> Somebody there. But, you know,
0: he's, he's there. I haven't he's heard of anything. I just wanted to power. throw a name out there, so mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Put That's two right. and two together. It seems
2: like it would work well. He and Eli seem cut from the same cloth. Yeah,
0: It'd be great. Yeah. Uh, final score of the Chiefs and Ravens, please.
2: Um. Well, I picked against them the last week, and so even though I think they're kind of going to win, we're going to continue that emotional hedge, and we'll go. Tw- we'll go the same score, twenty-three,
0: nineteen, right? Alright, there it is. Uh, Gabe DiArman. Thank you so much for the time. All right, have a good one, Steve. Check out powermazu dot com for uh more from Gabe DiArman. Now let's check in with Jay Kansas State. State. Hello, Jay, how are you?
3: Well guys, how are you doing?
0: Final score between the Chiefs and Ravens.
3: Twenty seven, twenty four Chiefs.
4: What's what like you,
0: last week? What did you take away from the uh from all the things that were happening besides the basketball game up in Ames.
3: Yeah, that was just a clown show. Um, Look, uh, officiating never wins or loses a game. K-State had the possession where it was either tied or one-point game, I think, five or six times in the last ten minutes of the game once they fought back. So officiating doesn't win or lose games. K-State had plenty of opportunities to win that game. That being said, I mean those guys just got to be better. Um, they get paid a lot of money to do it. Um, it was just ridiculous. The the, the foulty of the game, the tee. I just these kids work so hard. Let the kids decide it um, and, and have just some ability to call a consistent game and not get caught up in crowd, not get caught up in the look-at-me syndrome. I'm just so tired of college basketball officials making it about them and making the game unwatchable and taking away from a good product that the kids put on the floor.
4: So the uh, the other controversy in the game, uh, Jerome Tang was upset with T.J. Otzelberger. Well, they, they, they had a conversation um, after the game, and it's been reported by... Uh, some folks like Kellis Robinette of the Kansas City Star, that the concern was possibly over uh, maybe some some staffers or managers. I'm just going to read what T.J. What Otzelberger said here. Kansas State was concerned that Iowa State spied on its timeout huddles last night at Hilton Coliseum. That's why Jerome Tank pointed into the crowd and then had a postgame conversation with T.J. Otzelberger per sources. What's your reaction to that?
3: Yeah, if it's going on, it's not very good at all. Um, I think that there will hopefully be an investigation um, into that um, and and see what happens. Uh, I I don't know. I didn't see anything, obviously. I wasn't at the game. Um, It wasn't reported on by anybody uh, until after the game. But I think we all know that if Jerome Tang is going to make an allegation like that, he understands it's a pretty serious allegation and he's not going to say anything unless there's some pretty confident, unless he's pretty confident there's something to be concerned about. So I think, we, I, I don't think we'll hear the end of it, uh, uh, yet. I hope that the Big 12 will look into that. And if it's nothing, then it's nothing. But if it's something that I think that appropriate, um, Remedies need to be made with it, because that's a, that's a pretty serious allegation. And it's also a pretty serious action, and so it's something that needs to be looked at.
4: Have you ever heard of anybody doing something like that? Did you guys ever, like when you were playing, did you ever worry that maybe the other teams had somebody in the stand spying on your huddle?
3: No, and I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why you see teams come out on the floor um, during timeouts as opposed to staying on the bench um, and getting away from the sideline to be able to communicate, get away from fans, students, things like that, you know. Today, you have you know, cell phones that can zoom in, do different things like that. Whatever, met, It's a lot easier with technology to do that back in the Stone Ages when I played. So it, it is something where um, it's a lot easier to do it now, and you can communicate a lot easier via texting, whatever it is. But um, it's something that you know uh, coaches are, are wor- worried about because they want to get away from the fans when they're talking during timeouts.
0: All right, so it's going to be a really interesting afternoon tomorrow in the Big 12 because all the leaders are involved in big games early, and it all starts off with an 11 a.m. tip-off between Kansas State and Houston, down in Houston, then at 12.30, Kansas at Iowa State, and then at 1, Texas Tech at Oklahoma. Uh, And so, look, Houston... You could argue they they might be the most talented team in the Big Twelve. If it's not them, it's it's Kansas. But Kansas State, Houston, Kansas, and Iowa State are all four and two, and then Texas Tech is four and one. So this is going to be a really interesting couple of hours to watch basketball in the Big Twelve. What do you think of Houston? They're elite defensively. They're number four in the nation. They're seventeen and two. What kind of challenge is this going to be for Jerome Tang and the Wildcats? Oh, it's going to be a big challenge. Yeah,
3: Houston is. Really, really athletic, um, great defensively, like you said, Stephen. They uh, um, they're they're just going to get after you. Typical Kelvin Sampson basketball. And K State's got to take better care of the ball, um, and they got to stay out of foul trouble. Cam Carter got in early foul trouble against Iowa State, had to sit most of the first half. I think it was you know forty two seconds into the game. I hadn't even sat down with a beer yet to watch a game. He's got two thousand on the bench, so it, it is something where K-State has to be better in, in, in both those aspects, particularly Cam Carter. Uh, last two games, Cam Carter has had eight turnovers and uh, two assists. He, he had four turnovers and no assists at Iowa State. Um, Tyler Perry had four turnovers at Iowa State. Um, the the backcourt has got to take better care of the ball. Um, and, and a lot of it, particularly Tyler Perry's issues, are you know, he gets in the middle of the lane and um, just picks, picks up the dribble. And so now you're looking at Scenario where you're in the middle lane, you've got the three second call going for lane violation potential, you've got to find someone to kick it out to. And it's not in the flow of the offense. And you're just doing more surviving than you are attacking on offense. So K-State, that's got to be the number one concern, is to value the basketball and and get possessions. And then you just got to figure out a way to stop um, uh, Houston, slow them down offensively. Um, They're they're really, really athletic. They're really long. Um, And K-State's done a good job on the defensive end this year for the most part. And I think that you'll see K-State try to slow it down, make it an ugly game. They'll get up and down when they can. But um, I think Jerome Tang has just done a phenomenal job this year with a roster that um, he didn't really contemplate coming into the year, and the fact that they're you know, four and two at the league right now and uh, on the cusp of being ranked and um, what I think should be inside the NCA bubble um, is just a testament to him and his staff and what they've been able to put together and the kids to be able to come, uh, overcome the adversity. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen on, uh, on on Saturday? I think it'll be a good game. Uh, um, K State is not uh, this year. They've they've had games where they've started out slow. They've gotten down double digits, but they've always fought back, and they've been in every game in the end, except for a couple early on. So we'll see what uh, uh, what happens. But I anticipate it's going to be a, a good game. It's going to be a physical game, you know. And uh, hopefully, if
0: uh, um, we, we we can let we can let the kids decide it. All right, Jay. Thanks for the time, man. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you later. That's a Jay Hydrick talking K-State basketball. Now we move on to the one, the only, Greg Gurley. Kansas. So, uh, wow, there it is. (laughs) Thanks for that, Jake. Appreciate you. Uh, Greg just hung up on us. That's good stuff. Greg, Uh, are you there?
5: No, I didn't. I okay. heard a dial tone. Right. Hey,
0: uh saw you uh, involved in a lengthy conversation with Jake there. What was that all about?
5: Life. Well, pretty much favorite part of my week. I guess second favorite is right now, but yeah. my favorite is my two or three minutes I get to talk to Jake before I come on. Hmm.
0: Did he ask you about the over-under for the Chiefs game? Or what was no, on? we talked
5: about life. We talked about his morning routine compared to my morning routine. You take an ice bath like Jake every day? They're really different. It seems like (laughs) it does seem like a lot of preparation to wake up every day for Jake. That seems, I I don't, no, I don't do that. I get coffee and click on CNBC. That's about it.
0: That's right. (laughs) Uh, So I'm sure you're aware of all the apparent shenanigans that were going on up in Ames when K State played against Iowa State and stuff going on behind the bench there. How, how would you describe? Because we've seen some things going on when KU plays up there. How would you describe being the visiting team and having to face the crowd at uh, up in Iowa State?
5: So they're a very angry bunch, right? Um, they they boo everything, mm-hmm. um, no matter what happens, even if. They call a foul on us. You know, it seems like it wasn't early enough or whatever. In the particular game that you're talking about, I was watching it, and you know, as a as an outsider just watching, you couldn't really tell what they were arguing about. And you know, I, I think when when Coach Tang walked down the sideline, I don't think he was trying to incite anything at all. I think he was just going to try to talk to TJ to to maybe make an announcement, and the referees kind of. I thought escalated the situation. But also if, if it turns out that it was actually somebody who was maybe somewhat videoing their huddle, I don't I don't know if that's cause for uh, everything that we've seen in the last couple of days on social media, everybody complaining about it. It's like I think most coaches be like, All right, yeah, you kinda know what play we're gonna run, I guess. If that is all true, defend it. You know, I think most coaches would be like, All right, yeah, you know what we're gonna do, see so if you can defend it. But uh, whatever happened, happened. I'll move on. I think Iowa State's got a return trip to Manhattan, so we shall see. But Hilton Coliseum uh, is definitely one of the more difficult places to play, and the crowd has a lot to do with that. But it's actually kind of fun. I think when I, I enjoy, you know, man on an island type of atmosphere where 12,000, 15,000 people are against you, and you just kind of embrace it and. Use it to your benefit, because if you if you bellyache about it and, and complain about it, I think it just gets into your head, and you, you think about that more than what you're there to do. So you got to shut all the the negativity out and embrace it and move on. I think
4: so the you know Bill Self always talks about keeping the tight the huddle tight maybe you got to keep it a little tighter in Ames if they're if they 're spying on your huddle but the the Jayhawks have struggled on the road here to start league play. And every year, it's a different team. You got different kids. What are you noticing uh, that maybe needs to get better on the road? Obviously, the, the the level of competition actually steps up a little bit compared to the last couple road games. So, uh, or at least the you know the Central Florida and West Virginia road games. So, what do you see that they need to be better at when it comes to the away games?
5: Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, we're a third of the way through our schedule. We played three road games. And the only game we won was at Oklahoma State, which it seems like everyone's winning against them. So you look at Central Florida and West Virginia; going to be near the bottom tier of this league. And we don't get wins. We 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 haven't learned how to close um, on the road. You know, we did it against Oklahoma State. But that's the only time. And I in Indiana, I guess, would be the other one. But uh, yeah, 16 point lead in Orlando, and we lose by six or eight unacceptable uh west virginia we ran into essentially the 2018 villanova national champions they <laughs> shot the ball <laughs> yeah unbelievable well i mean at one point i think they were nine of eleven from the three-point line some of that's got to go on us defensively but some of that's just you know somebody plays up and they did they're six and eleven but they had just got all their guys back together, and they were making shots over our hands, and you kind of pat them on the back. We scored 51 points in the first half, and we were tied. I mean, that never happens. 51 points on the road should be up by 10, but it was tied, and when we got to halftime of that game, I'm like, oh boy, you think the percentages will come down, but they didn't, and we didn't do the things uh, to win, so... I don't know if I'm evading your question other than the fact that we just didn't close. And it'd be an entirely different race right now if we just did that, because we'd be 6-0. Oh. But ifs, sands and buts, all that jazz, the gauntlet, toughest league in the country, whatever you want to say, and those two games, I think, prove that.
4: So I think you... I Just knowing what you hear from Bill Self over the years of listening to him talk, it's one thing for the other team to shoot lights out like they did in West Virginia... But the way the Jayhawks couldn't get a rebound, they got they got some misses down the stretch in that game, but couldn't get a rebound. Um, obviously, was concerning, and and I'm not picking on it because I actually think that the what I want to ask you about this kid is 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 more positive. But I know that, that Johnny Furphy missed a couple boxouts in that situation. He's coming on as an offensive player all of a sudden. I think averaging 17 points a game over his last 3. I know a lot of times for freshmen when they play for Bill Self it's it's understanding the intensity on the defensive end and all those types of things that have to come along. How much progress is he making in those areas? How much progress can he make because it seems to me like that that could be one of the biggest keys to the ceiling that the Jayhawks have this year.
5: Yeah, you know, that was game point basically. You know, we're down one, I believe or maybe it was two, and they missed a free throw, and the West Virginia guys weren't even trying to rebound. It was just the shooter, and we miss a box out. Oh, that's game point. And those are the little things that make you lose on the road. Things have to go well, and they didn't. Um, I thought, you know, if you, if you look at Johnny and his rise uh, to stardom over the last couple weeks, he was great against West Virginia in the first six minutes, right? Had nine points just like that. It looked like we were going to roll, and he didn't make another shot. What I like about him, though, is the next game, uh, which was uh, uh, we had Cincinnati. He was great consistently mm-hmm. for the whole game. So we're seeing the maturation of Johnny. Uh, where it's one thing to go out and hit three shots and then disappear. That's what you expect out of freshman. What you don't expect is the next game for them to be the star of the game for – he played 36 minutes the other night, and he was by far the best player on the court, on the glass, shooting the three, getting out in transition, filling lanes, finishing on the break. Uh, Defensively, he's gotten so much better. So uh, you hate to see uh, the inconsistent play on the road with a loss, but I do love to see the next game where he was great for 40 minutes, basically.
0: All right, Greg, what's your score prediction for Chiefs-Ravens?
5: Uh, 35-28. 35-28. I've been, I've been correct the first two weeks. See? Um, I, I love I, – I just don't think Baltimore offensively is, is good enough, I know, and, and I don't worry that much about their defense because really good offense beats really good defense, right?
0: I'm with you. Nate thinks you're crazy, but I'm with you. I feel that vibe.
5: I like it, Well, you, no matter what I'd say, even if I said short people rule the world, he'd say I'm crazy, right?
4: <laughs> not say. Hey, speaking of short people, I want to give a shout-out to your alma mater, Shawnee Mission South, because my nephew is the starting point guard there, and they're 8-2 and two to start the season, and they just won a tournament down in Chanute. So, uh, you know, shout-out no to no, your Raiders. Nothing greater I than gotta, a Raider. i got to get over there. What's his name? Callan Gregory. He's uh, He's been, I mean, He's uh, playing really, really well. He's a junior, and he's the starting point guard on the team and plays most of the minutes of the game. So uh, I've really had fun. They're a good team. They're fun to watch. They don't have a senior on the team, by the way. He's
5: got a really cool last name. Um, He's (laughs) got to be the best best Bucati athlete ever, right, in in your
4: line, right? let's be honest. I mean, John Buchady and Fred Bucati were decent athletes, but I would say that this kid probably gets more of his physical ability from his pops. <laughs> he, has, yeah. he has a different uh, last name than me.
5: <laughs> I haven't, uh, I haven't been over there in a while. I need to go check that out. And so that's great. Yeah. Just, what's the, what's the old saying? Nothing greater than a Raider. That's
0: right. All right, Greg Gurley, you're the man. We'll talk to you next week.
5: Our right, boys, we'll see you.
0: All right, that's your Border Patrol Fast Break. When we come back, we'll play some locker room sound from the Chiefs after this on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Oh, Jake, I forgot to invite you. If you're uh, around today, the girls' uh, last home game is at 4 o'clock against St. Teresa's grudge match, uh, rematch. Hotly tested uh, basketball game the first time around. We roll by. You can see you can say hello to Steve St. John Sr., so
6: You can't. I, I have a... Do you? I have a... I pick up my groceries at 4.15 every Friday. That's very specific. Good for you. <laughs> they, they, they are dropped off in the Brookside area. That's great. And, and I go pick them up. You pick this up. <laughs> I drink raw milk. And they That's
0: can, wonderful. You can't sell it in cans. No, I right. bet you can't. Um, <laughs> it's from a farm in Sedalia. I'm sure it is. That's where I get I'll my send, milk. I'll send you pictures. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll send you pictures. Yeah, I, I think got- i get my milk from a cow in Missouri, so I don't I, know. To- i go, I, go, I go get it from my guy, Roy. <laughs> oh, Roy, with that raw milk, baby. <laughs> I'll tell you something else I'm super proud of. Uh, if you're in the Northland and you're just twiddling your thumbs tomorrow, um, my uh, son, Richie St. John, I have not said this on the air. I said this on social media, but he is the new bass player for the band Dola White, and you've heard... Our friend uh, Mike, the drummer from Dola White, sumo, if you will, who has been on the show before and has been a longtime friend of the Border Patrol and Sports Radio 810 WHB, well, they needed a new bass player, and Richie St. John auditioned, and he made it, and so his debut with Dola White is tomorrow night at uh, Thirsty Bull Saloon off 29 and Berry Road. And so uh, right in my wheelhouse, literally. <laughs> and it starts at 9 o'clock on Saturday night. So super proud of uh, Richie St. John. And, you know, I already love Dola White. How can I love him anymore? Well, have yeah, my son in the band. And then I love you even more. How about that? Uh, so it's going to be awesome. Can't wait. Best cover band in Kansas City history. We're going to have a uh, good group of people out there at the Thirsty Bull Saloon. And see what I can do to make uh, get my wife uh, Susan to ride the bull.
4: You got to stay off that thing, though. Man. Oh yeah,
0: well she does too. She had surgery on her yeah. hand. What am I about? on her wrist? Steve St. John yeah, Senior perhaps can get up there and <laughs> and you know lock horns.
4: Yeah,
0: it's all right. Dola White make you feel all right on a Saturday night. Let's go. Uh You know what else will make me feel all right is if the Chiefs win on Sunday. That'll be a fun day. We were in the locker room yesterday. Nate refusing to eat lunch with us yesterday, but we had a nice lunch between me and Todd and Paige. We enjoyed lunch and talked about the Chiefs and our interviews and everything else, so it was a good time out of Arrowhead yesterday. Uh, let's play Chiefs defensive lineman Charles Amenihue, who has plenty of experience playing against Lamar Jackson and... And although he hasn't won one yet, he's had experience in the NFC championship game and championship game uh, with uh, the San Francisco 49ers. And so Charles and many, you need a big game from him. Uh, And so uh, Nate, me, and some others gathered around his locker and talked to him yesterday out at the uh, Chiefs practice facility.
4: First of all, just in general, joining this team, what, the way things started and everything, to, for you to be here in the AFC Championship game, can you put into words the excitement you have this week?
1: Yeah, I think my, my excitement is going to hit when I get on the grass. Right now, just by focus, um, focus on the on the task at hand and what what's, what's in front of us.
4: Everybody understands the challenge in front of you, this Baltimore Ravens team and what they bring to the table. What impresses you the most about them as you look at them right now?
1: Uh, I think it would impress me just as a quarterback player. Um, I've played Lamar, and this is going to be my third time. Um, and he just evolved every time from when I played him in 19 and 20, and then now in his eighth champion game, he's just evolved as a player. So, very, uh, hats off to him, and glad that we got the challenge that we got.
4: What has changed the most about him as you look at him?
1: Uh, he definitely would choose to throw the ball than run it, in my opinion. Uh, Back then, I think he would see open lanes. If his first year he wasn't there, he was gone. But now he's looking through progression, extending to throw. So.
4: Does that change your job, you know, when you're trying to get after him, the way you rush the passer and all that, knowing that he throws more maybe than he runs now?
1: No, I mean, because, you know, if he does decide to run, He's the, you know, he's the most electrifying running quarterback, him and Justin, since Michael Vick. So mm-hmm. you don't want to get too <laughs> crazy with it. And, Charles, a lot of times in these uh, NFL games, we see the offense figure things out in the second half and get stronger. With you guys, the defense is getting stronger almost every single game. What do you attribute that to? Uh, just taking the corrections and then going out there and executing. These guys, got we got the want to want to wanna be great, to want to play great defense and get showed on tape.
7: Are you expecting a similar environment to what you guys think in
1: Buffalo? I think it's going to be even louder. I've uh, played over there before. It's, it's going to be a it's going to be a championship atmosphere. Everything that you want. How much do you relish that? A lot. I mean, it's my third time in a row. I know this organization six time in a row. It's my third time in a row going to some sort of championship game, whether on the NFC or AFC side. So, I mean, I love it.
7: What makes the difference in those championship games? What really decides that? What does it come down to?
1: Bro, you're going to have to start, strap it up from play one to play whatever. And you just – you have reckless abandon. You always do, but just in these championship games, bro, it's like – Whatever I got to do to get to the Super Bowl, and I know I definitely have that feeling in me because like I said I ain't never, I never won one of these. Going three times in a row is a me for me individually. Like, I want to go Super Bowl bad. These guys, they've been there, you know, so they know what that feels like. I don't know what that feels like, so I want it. Is, is that part of the reason you seem to embrace this team and community so much since you got here, the accomplishments of the team and yourself here? What's the reason for that, the Peacock thing and all that stuff, Or you've seemingly felt so at home here. Yeah, I mean, um, this organization has definitely taken me in. Um, they aren't barring all the circumstances, so I just appreciate them, and um, I definitely want to put my best game I've ever put out on Sunday. You're facing a guy like Josh Allen the week
0: before, does that help prepare you to take on Lamar? I know that Lamar's a more dynamic runner, but Josh Allen's pretty athletic as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, all the quarterbacks can run, right? So uh it does, though. You know, but like I said, I'm every every quarterback's his own challenge. So I'll be looking forward to what Lamar has to offer. You
0: mentioned that you hadn't won one of these yet. How much more does that make you appreciate this opportunity? And knowing that
1: you're a step away from getting to the spot where you, you that's that's your goal. You definitely appreciate it because it doesn't come often. I'm year five. I'm 3 at uh, my first five years in the league I've been in the championship game like a lot of guys can't say that so um you appreciate it, you, you take advantage, but you relish it, and you try and put your best foot forward. I've
4: been asking a lot of guys about playoff Pat. You know, they said there's there's a fire in his eyes. It's kind of contagious, and I would think there's a confidence that, that is contagious with everybody knowing that that's the guy on your side. It, it, do you feel something like that, knowing you have a player like Pat Mahomes as your quarterback going into a game like this?
1: Yeah, I think I think Pat plays a high level all the time, though. So <laughs> he's not a guy that turns the switch on okay. and off, bro. Like, that's, I don't <laughs> think that's a real thing. Yeah. I think just, that's just him, and that's what's made him the MVP of the league, what, twice. Um, and that's why performances like he had last game, and um, I believe without a shout out that he's going to have the same kind of performance. Um, I'm glad I am on this side of things. I'm uh, going against because I know what it feels like to go against him, knowing that, like, but every time this man get the ball, you think he's going to score, and don't let him get the ball last. He's going to do something with it, so. I don't. You, you, you mentioned you played there before. Is it how's that compared? Is it one of the toughest places, or is it, the, is it the toughest place to play on the road in in the league? I don't know about that. I just know that. It's... Big game. Um, they're gonna be fired up. I I know some of the guys over there, some of the coaches over there. Uh, there's quite a bit of former players that are coaches there that played in the league. Coach uh, Coach Smith and my guy Anthony Weaver, the guy that drafted me. So um, just know, I just know that they're gonna be fired up. They're gonna instill into their guys, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a game for sure. It's gonna be a beautiful game. Go get it. Yes, sir.
0: Go get it.
6: All right, I think they're purposely downplaying this See, atmosphere.
0: I, you know, Jake tells me I'm telling. His you. travel to CBS, That's the toughest place to play on the road. I asked Charles and Manny. Charles and Manny looks like I'm stupid. Looks at me like I'm stupid because he's retighten that. He's you that. I wouldn't say he's all that. in
6: it. You don't want to be yeah, like well, that. Producer Jake fun. would say all that. <laughs> stupid. I stand by it, man. That's just my experience.
4: Hey, everybody's. You know, everybody's got their own journey. I asked him about playoff pat because other guy's like, oh, yeah, man, you can see a difference. He's like, nah, no, man, he's the I mean, no, you, idiot. idiot. He doesn't flip a switch. He's always like that. What you didn't see is right
0: after Nate asked that question, Charles, Amin, you pushed him away. So, that's what, that's what you didn't see. Yeah,
4: Get out of here, squirt.
0: He was on his head and kept him at arm's length. I was trying to reach him with the microphone. Couldn't get there. Come here. <laughs> this was good. Joshua Williams. And I read that stat a little bit earlier. I'm going to take some, some pat was, on the back there for that. There. He walked by and
4: everybody just looked at me. I said, we should talk to Josh Williams. I would yeah, over to should. No. I didn't know this pro football focus stat you had.
0: Oh, I'm so pissed off. What? <clears throat> so I was going to walk over and talk. To, speaking of people, Chris Olodekin, the third string quarterback. Mm-hmm. I was going to go over and talk to him. And it's one of those things, like, you you know, we have until 1230. You were waiting. I was trying to wait for Nick Allegretti. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets down to the final six or seven minutes, you want to get somebody, but you don't want to be in an interview with somebody. Then the guy that you're waiting for, like, ah, sorry, i got to stop talking. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah. And I'll, I saw Allegretti out of the corner of my eye, but apparently Allegretti saw us out of the corner of his eye. <laughs> <laughs> he only put, like, he, he like... He stepped into the locker room, and then he saw me and Mick Schaefer, like, turn towards him, and then he stepped right out, went back to the training room. Like, old,
4: hey, I'll see you yeah. later, not if I see you first. Bye-bye.
0: <laughs> and so then, but then, in Lebo, it was the time, at like, 1226, Spags was at the podium and talked about how Chris Olodekin has been playing the role of Lamar Jackson in mm. practice. And that would have been great to talk yeah. to him. And he was just sitting there in his effing locker. Mm. But we were waiting. So that because, yeah. like, when you said I was like, I'm
4: going
0: to – I'm coming. No, nope. okay. But I'm glad we got Joshua Williams. Pro Football Focus tweeted this out. In the last four games, 112 coverage snaps, 12 targets, only given up one reception for seven yards and allowed a 39.6 pass rating for Joshua Williams – here is Joshua Williams with Nate and me and several others at his locker yesterday. Uh, this would have been, I don't know, around twelve thirty-ish or so mm-hmm. yesterday afternoon out at the Arrowhead practice facility.
4: The depth of the secondary seemed like it really showed out this last game, and you were mm-hmm. part of that. Um, I- I'm curious, this this unit that you guys have in the secondary. How proud are you guys of how deep you run when it, when uh, when you all get called on?
7: Uh, very proud. It's something the coaches kind of emphasized throughout the week, having everybody be ready and just making sure the next guy is ready. Um, as you can see, just this game um, was a was a big focal point of guys kind of you know having to step up and, and come into a role that you know might have been bigger than usual, but you know it's nothing new. Last year it was the same situation and the coaches do a good job in keeping us ready. How much does that experience of success, there's a lot of you young guys that got experience last
4: year in the postseason, how different does that make things for you guys this year?
7: Well I think it makes it easy on everybody um, not just for the guys who experienced it last year like me and Jalen and uh, Trent all of us young guys cook but even for like the younger guys like Shamari uh, and and the Rooks, you know it's their first year here but they have you know guys who were just in their position last year um, able to give them any kind of pointers or uh, you know tips just to keep them prepared and ready to go. How hard is it to stay prepared when you're not getting reps? You know, constantly in practice through the course of the week. Well, I mean, even when you're not getting reps out there, you know, mental reps is a thing. Coach Spags and Coach Merritt uh, kind of emphasize throughout the week. So if you're not up, um, which they do a good job in subbing people in and out, um, then you should be standing on the sidelines. You know, kind of just going through the motions, and that's what they look for in guys uh, while they're on the sideline. Josh,
2: you guys, you guys like this going on the road thing to, to get to the Super Bowl?
7: You know what? Um, I know usually it's been coming to Kansas City um, and even last year for me, all our playoff games are home. Uh, it's cool with me, you know. Um, I don't think any of us have a problem going anywhere and playing, but, um, you know, I'm sure the fans would much rather be in Kansas City.
2: You guys have another second half where you allowed seven points here last 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 week. What's been the biggest reason for that dominance in the second half?
7: Well, just staying steadfast, as Coach Spags always says, um, things can happen in the first half um, that, you know, might not be ideal, but coming in, and, and correcting them is the main focal point going into the locker room and just making those corrections and then fixing them and making sure those same accidents or you know, mistakes don't happen again.
0: You know, a lot of people talk about their, their rushing attack, they the number one rushing team, but Lamar has
7: improved as a passer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got big play guys like Zay Flowers. What do you see from the passing game, the preparations for Sunday? I think it's something that's uh, slipped on. I think Lamar Jackson is a great passer, um, and I think that's something we'll have to take into account and absolutely will take into account um, as long, I mean, also with his legs. You know, he's a very dynamic player. And um, we're just going to have to stay disciplined with everything we do, just like every week, you know, staying disciplined, making sure we're doing our due diligence and uh, playing our right techniques. Everyone talks about, you know, secondary and passing game, but just how much is is secondary in the run game even more impactful in the playoffs? I think having uh, DBs like ourselves who do come and, and get into the run game and help tackle is a huge emphasis just throughout the season, especially in the um, postseason. Um, a lot of times you see, you know, uh, big runs happen because of guys in the secondary not coming in getting the runner down so um throughout the week you know uh we can't tackle during the week but we do do you know fits and, and make sure we're putting ourselves in position so in game we can make those tackles well
4: you were talking about those halftime adjustments a few of the different defensive players we've asked about say boy at halftime spags and the coaching staff come in and they they do make a lot of adjustments quickly mm-hmm. that sounds like that must be a busy halftime what's it like when you guys come into the locker room at halftime and, and how do you get all that accomplished
7: well a lot of times um us coming into the locker room is just us fixing mistakes. Um, never really just changing the whole defense, so it, it's things, uh, it's just us getting back to where we should be, you know, uh, right in the ship and making sure we're not making those same mistakes. Um, and if, you know, there are times where we have to make an adjustment or a tweak here or there, Coach does a good job of not making, you know, a huge drastic tweak the way we're out there on the field thinking a whole bunch. Um, he keeps it pretty simple and helps us uh, play fast. This
4: guy... Fourth-round pick out of Fayetteville State, Division Two. You know, like, the, the the places where the Chiefs have found their corners has been really something to behold. And that dude, like, he, he plays big snaps. Those numbers that you put out there, that's incredible. And it's like he's a guy we don't even talk
0: about, you know, because he's— well, I just talked about him for, like, <laughs> ten minutes. I don't know. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't get him. Why don't you talk about it? I don't understand. Why well, you, you refuse to acknowledge? Literally, talk to him. I will yeah. say
6: the the play in this postseason that we've seen from these young corners leads me to really think that there's not there's not going to be a big contract for Snead from this team. From yes, from from the Chiefs. Because
4: somebody's going to give him a big contract. Oh, he's going
6: to get paid yeah. without a doubt. And I know that we have plenty of off season to talk about that. But their play has been. Spectacular, and I think you know when you're getting con- contributions like that from young guys, it's easier when you see that depth to say we can spend that money elsewhere, especially if they keep drafting like this.
0: Sneed's just so damn good. And I, I and get it, is. I get it. You, you got to factor in and the success rate they've had, and it just like uh, signing free agents, picking. Defensive backs in the first round, the fourth round, the seventh round. It just doesn't matter. They identify the type that they want. You get them in there. Dave Merritt helps develop them. Spags knows how to use them. And, and that's what they – I mean, you, you talk about an organization being on the same page, man. hmm You know, that, that you always think about that uh, that press conference with Bill Parcells was bitching. You know, if you, you know – you want you want me to cook the meal, but you should let me shop for the groceries too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all on the same page there, and it's it it's it's we take it we shouldn't we take it for granted. I mean, just I mean even back to when they traded for Charvarius Ward, like mm-hmm. uh, who's this guy? I mean, and, and now he's all pro this year. I mean it it's yeah. it's been it's been amazing. And identifying when they identified, I know that. It didn't end up great, but I mean, when they identified Tyron Matthew in free agency, like they know exactly what they want, and they know how, they know how to identify it in every way: trade, mm-hmm. draft, free agency, big school, small school, tra- trading up for Trent McDuffie, And you got they—they'll they, be reminded of it, but we need to re- remind ourselves of it. They don't make that trade; he's in Buffalo. Instead instead of, was it, Kyrie Elam from, from Florida, who can't even get on the field. Mm-hmm. They were going to take and go, let, go back and look at that video. It looked like they were going to vomit. Oh, they traded up in front of us. How different would it be if they landed Trent McDuffie? We talk right. about him being one of the best corners in all of football. They just didn't sit there on their hands and wait for him. They sit went, on their thumbs. They, they went and got him, moved up and got him in the first round. So... You know, when my wife sends me to shop for the groceries when
4: she's going to cook something, how many phone calls I have to make back to make sure that
0: I'm getting the right thing. Dude, let me tell you something. My wife whipped up uh, like a five-layer ravioli lasagna last night. (laughs) Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. It It was wonderful. So
4: good for you, man!
0: Shout out to Sue.
4: I, I enjoy my time in the kitchen too, but when I have to go shopping, my I mean, like some of the ingredients that my wife puts on there, I'm like, "Can you find some more esoteric things that I have no idea what they are or you where to find them?" It's <laughs> esoteric yeah. is a word that kind of defines itself. Is it? Yeah, weird things that are random. How many different kinds of onions are there? Would you put shallots on there or something? What? Uh, you know, just all kinds. Some kind of paste that I'm like oh.
0: shallots. Yeah, I get in trouble because I buy uh, several four packs of a little cup of instant mashed potatoes. You just pour some water in there, and put it in the microwave. Let me tell you something. What a snack! <laughs> <laughs> me and the girls like, you. Are a what mashed potato what a, what guy? A snack. Yeah. Just real quick, <laughs> pour a little bottle of water in there, stir it up, put in the microwave, minute thirty. Hot mashed potatoes in your mouth. Boom. Just sitting there in the cup. Mm-hmm. You don't need. You don't dirty any dishes. That's <laughs> To mention that. Yeah. I've been accused of buying too many. How, how can you buy too many when me and the girls love them? If you eat them, you're not buying right. too many. Oh, that's exactly right. Although, uh, somehow, we had four of them left last night, and then I looked, and somebody had uh, eaten three of them and left the uh, the lids on my desk, which that's how I know. Someone ate them in succession. So I don't yeah, My know.
4: kids are terrible at ha- hiding the evidence when they eat my food.
0: I feel extremely confident now that the Chiefs are going to win as the week has progressed. Especially when I started to hear national pundits... Question: you know, Is this the greatest football team I've ever seen? Yeah, for the record, I was not the one comparing the but Chiefs you were, to the you, 85 but, Bears. No, but you brought that to me.
4: I brought that to you because I knew what it would do. I knew what, what, what I ridiculous. need you to be Jake, on. Am edge I this wrong? Week is that
0: night? Night? No, you can't. They you, haven't even right got past the NFC. Oh, Super Bowl. You, you
6: have to win a Super Bowl. But even if they do, right, you have to win a Super Bowl to be in, in the in the likes of those
4: teams. You have to be a champion. To, to because be fair, these are champions. Yeah. To be fair, Ross Tuckerman did say, if they win the Super Bowl, will we talk about? No I, no, no, I won't. No,
0: <laughs> no, I won't. No, I won't. There's two
4: steps to two big steps to take before you before we get there. So let's get there. Maybe if, if they get to the Super Bowl, I but I knew I would I knew it would get you wound up. We need you we need no. fired up Stephen St. John. The, the AFC championship game Stephen St. John this week.
0: I've been that. You've been locked in. I've been that way. We'll be back after this on
4: WHP.